Welcome to DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed, Blender HD. Follow me there on Twitter. And this is the show you should know already. We go over a little bit about yesterday's slate. We got some stuff to talk about. Uh, maybe, maybe touch on today's big 15 gamer. All the teams are playing, and they're all playing at the. They're all playing past seven o'clock, so it's, they're all on the same slate. Maybe we'll, we'll look at the at a preliminary projections, answer strategy questions. That's what I do best here on uh, the show on YouTube chat. I see you guys in there. Suki Singh, Jerome Lewis, Edward Brown, Brett Garrettson, Brandon McNeil, Frederick Duke, Chandler Cannon, Card Fan, Eric Johnson, Mike Blaze, Hog Lawrence. You know what to do first. I got the apple juice here. So keep it cold. Hit those thumbs up buttons and the thummy thumbs. Give me the thummy thumbs. Give me the give me the subscribe scribes. Give me the notification belly bells, right? To know when we go live in the morning. Yesterday, you, you need you need to turn on your notifications. That's the theme of yesterday's slate. I, I still I still don't get it. I don't get it, people. Especially especially if you're a Roto Grinders premium member, especially. But you don't even have to be a premium member to get Roto Grinders notifications. Okay, you don't. Just download the Roto Grinders app from the App Store. On your phone. That's all you need to do. Okay? You turn on notifications for MLB Urgent, you'll get them. You don't have to worry about it. Anything, any guy that gets scratched, any guy that lineup changed, this guy's, you'll you'll know about. And if you don't, let's say you don't want to do that. Let's say you don't want, I don't want to have another app on my phone. Get Twitter. On Twitter, you could go to the Roto-Grinders MLB Twitter account. And you could set that you will get a push notification anytime it tweets, right? Now, is that the best thing to do? Because when we tweet out the starting lineups, like the, you know, the, the batting orders and everything, if you don't want to get all of those, that's why you get the Roto Grinders app. But but yesterday, uh, Vince, Vince, Vincent Velasquez was scratched 20 minutes before lock, 6.44 p.m. Eastern, I believe was the tweet from the beat writer. Saying that he's come, he's stopped his warmups, and David Hale is going to start. Uh, and then Rotogrinder's notification, I mean, came out at six forty-eight. Okay, so the tweet came out at six forty-four. Four minutes later, Rotogrinder's had a notification. If you go on, if you if you're on Twitter, you would have se- you would have seen it in the same amount of time period. Also, right? If you follow beat writers, you, but you don't have to. Like I have tweet deck, so I mean, I see all the stuff that comes in. So. I don't necessarily need the notifications, but it helps if I'm in the bathroom, right? If I'm out taking a walk, if I'm walking the dog or something, I'm not expecting it. At least I'll know about. It. So I don't get, I do not get people that are like, oh, well, you know, they, an hour past the slate. Oh, I didn't realize that this guy was scratched. Oh, I'm going to take zeros in my lineup. Like how, how are you not getting phone notifications? Like I know it, it doesn't happen as often, rarely in, in MLB than it does in like NBA or something. But how, how, do you, how do you play DFS seriously? How do you play DFS at all without having notifications on your phone? We had uh, Vincent Velasquez in the in the bat flip on DraftKings. He was he was eighteen point nine percent owned. How does that happen? How does that happen? Well, the the, the rate gets paid. I lost anyway yesterday. It <laughs> didn't matter. How did this many people? How did this many people get stuck with Vincent Velasquez? Well, I know because I'm I'm in the Roto Grinders Discord, which you could get as a premium member. Click on the link in the description, get ten dollars off your first month. 
people like 10 minutes seven thirty. What happened to Velasquez? Like, dude, we, we, we do notifications on purpose. On purpose. The dude, you could have built lineups with with David Hale projected in on lineup HQ before lock. Okay, so it's not like it was a secret. Now, once once the news came in, I just X'd them out and reran my lineups. So I was already building lineups at that point with Velasquez in them. But I just I didn't even wait for because uh, David Hale needed to be projected for something. It didn't mean I was going to play him anyway. And then the Marlins have to be bumped up, right? Because versus Velasquez is actually a decent pitcher, and a bullpen game is not as good as Velasquez. But there's so many people jumping into premium Discord like 20 minutes after the slate locks. It's like, why isn't Velasquez getting any points? Like, where have you been? I was like, oh, I was grilling on the whatever. Someone's like, I was grilling on the, the, the making dinner on the grill, built my lineups, and then, uh, take it. Do you have your phone on you? I have no idea. I mean, the, to me, that's it's common sense. I, to me, you can't cry about it. I can't believe this happened. Why, why, why don't you have notifications on your phone? I don't, I don't get this. That's why you could tell. I, I just, I don't, I can't fathom that. I've notified if I'm playing the if I'm if I'm playing MMA tomorrow, right? Because a lot of times in MMA, you know, maybe the, the fight's going to be called off or something. Someone gets sick or something. Like, dude, I'm I'm expecting I'm expecting something. Now, does it mean I have to look and go? Oh, I need to scour and look all the time. No, I subscribe to something where it comes to me, right? Or I have notifications on some Twitter account that will notify me. So I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to, you know, walk around the day and do whatever and just like, oh, I'm never going to know unless I'm just staring at Twitter. Like, no, that's why I have notifications. That's why that's why Roto-Grinders offers notifications for free. You download the app for all the sports. So you'd get it. So people ask me, how did you know and I didn't know? Well, you're stupid, I guess. How do you not plan for this? I don't get it. That, that to me, I don't get. Right, if you, if, Alfredo Barrigan, if you were a premium member crunch time, yeah, I mean, because we're doing a show at the same time, right? Right, they had, uh, what, Cardi was on yesterday and Roth and Cheese or whoever, whoever was on yesterday. Right, it was announced on the show. I mean, yeah, so there you go. I mean, it's, how, how do you miss this? But worst case scenario, if you're not listening to a show, if you're not staring at Twitter, you're out, you're out grilling, Right. You're going to the store, right? You did your lineups and you're like, okay, I'm done at 640. I'm good. Sling locks at 705. And you get in your car and you're like, I'm going to go to the grocery store. Well, you don't you have your phone with you? I mean, don't, don't you? You'd hear the notification at 648 going, bing, ding, ding, you know, whatever notification sound you have. And you'd look and you go, oh, apparently Vince Velasquez is, is scratched. What's the worst case scenario? You're going to global swap, right? You just global swap them out. Put in Drew Smiley instead. And if he's already in lineups with Drew Smiley, you go into those lineups and put someone else in. You put someone else from the later game. You put in the uh, Dodge. You put in David Price just as a placeholder until you could get home or something or whatever. You have options. You have options. So I don't get it. I don't feel like, I don't feel any sympathy for people that played Vincent Velasquez unless they did unless they did it on purpose. Like pitching is so bad. I'm just gonna take a zero. I mean, you, I mean, you could have done that, I guess. Most people didn't. Let's see. Go through the YouTube chat. I don't know. This is my rant. This is my rant. It's casual Friday. I'm, I'm giving you a casual rant. 
right? Michael Dampier said, yeah, Card Cardi's hail projection when he was putting it in uh, had a too high of a pitch count, but he just X amount. I wasn't going to play him anyway, so I just X them out. So I don't have to worry about it. Sometimes you just X them. That's what I. The only thing I had to wait on was the Marlins projections. Could I have built without without updated projections? Of course, I was doing that anyway. But it's like I want to see how big of a bump the Marlins get with Velasquez out now and David Hale in, and they did get a bit of a bump. So my last build was at six. You know, at six fifty nine, it got updated, and I made my last and I bumped up the, the Marlins. You could see a lot of sharp people did that, right? We take a look at some of these 150 maxers uh, on DraftKings. I played on FanDuel yesterday. Uh, I mean, I play cash games on DraftKings, but I played GPPs on FanDuel. But we could see here, I mean, Vincent Velasquez, I mean, no one had him, right? You didn't, No sharp player that was had Vincent Velasquez. They, they got rid of him. Uh and you also see the Marlins got a lot, a lot of sharp players. We say if we could, I could even go to like need lunch money who came in third. Like he literally just, he, he hundred percented the Marlins. He played this stack, Cooper, Dickerson, Rojas, Anderson, and Aguiar in a hundred percent of his lineups. Because basically Vincent Velasquez was going to be owned yesterday, right? He was going to be this, probably the second, the second chalkiest pitcher on the slate which means the Marlins' ownership is going to go down. I mean, it's a four-game slate. There's only so many choices you have. So with, that with, so, so with Velasquez out now, now the Marlins' ownership, if people didn't react quick enough, the Marlins' ownership, the Marlins should be more owned. But it turns out that they actually ended up being owned. Right? Enough, enough people did that. So we can take a look at the, the ownership of this. Brian Anderson, 20%. Rojas, 17%. Aguiar, 16%. They were like the second chalkiest team. The Braves were the chalkiest. That's what it seems like, right? Freeman, Acuna, Riley. The Braves were the chalkiest. And then the Marlins ended up the second chalkiest. Because so much of the field, especially in the sharp end of the spectrum, just decided to jam them. Like, not like, oh, I'm going to play some Marlins now. It's like, no, no, I'm going to take advantage of this 25-minute period and just jam them. And it turns out they jammed them to the point in that they, were, they weren't all that inefficient to play. Right? You, you, you do something like that. You jam the Marlins in that spot on a four-game four slate. What do you think that the ownership's going to be in the single digit? When it's, the ownership's still going to be the same as if Velasquez was pitching, which still makes it kind of odd that more almost 20% of the field still had Velasquez and still enough of the sharp players jammed in the Marlins to get the Marlins up to this level. Because Brian Anderson was not going to be 20% owned. Aguirre definitely was not going to be 16% owned before the Velasquez news. We're talking about guys, they would, Anderson would have been 8% and Aguirre would have been 7%. It would have been twice as lower. Cooper, 15.75%. Dickerson, 15%. These these would have been single digits. That's what makes it weird that had had his had his Velasquez get 19%, yet the Marlins got jammed in. Well, it's because of guys like Brick, Brick 75. I mean, he just jammed. I mean, you see, jam, Utica, jam. Just like once that news came out, it's like, okay, where's the EV? EV is in the Marlins, and a lot of people did that. A lot of the sharp players, they did it now to their detriment. Right, because that game locks, and you look and you see you see the ownership, and you go, "What? How, how the hell did that happen?" 
Well, everyone had the same idea as you, right? At least the people that have 150 lineups did. FanDuel, FanDuel, they were still, FanDuel, they they were owned. So that's what I did on FanDuel. I upped my Marlins exposure. I didn't jam them or anything. But Miguel Rojas ended up being 17% owned with his home run. Garrett Cooper, I think Garrett Cooper was like 6%. Aguiar was was 12%. I mean, they, they, they got bumped up. But if you if you did that yesterday, I I think that 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 was the move. I think I I think a lot more people did it than than what I expected. Because obviously the pricing is all off now. With Velasquez, I mean, not all off. I mean, Velasquez isn't an ace pitcher or anything. But in comparison to the slate, and then obviously that bumps up the ownership for Alcantara and Smiley, because pitching on the slate was awful. I can't believe Matt's even got to positive points right after that second inning. Right, like pitching was was horrible, and then then you had uh, you had the, the beat writers saying that David Price was going to start, and Edwin Uceda was going to come in to have the bulk inning, right? And then Jimmy Nelson comes in, pitches two good innings, and we never see Uceda. We see uh, FJ Bourne, Royal Payne, twenty one. A bunch of sharp players had Uceda. Uceda was sixteen percent owned on DraftKings. Plenty, plenty of people. Some people didn't. If you got stuck with Uceda in your lineups tonight, it's not like you did anything dumb. It was risky. Yeah, when you when you play projected uh, long relievers like that, you have to understand that there's that's not a hundred percent guarantee that they're gonna they're gonna actually pitch. Most of the time, the information is correct and they are gonna pitch, but sometimes it's not. Dave Roberts also. You have to right. You gonna trust him with the pitching staff? No. But those those are the moves. If you if, if you got Velasquez out in time, like Velasquez paid the rake, which sucks so much that 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 all these people paid the rake and I still lost money yesterday, right? Because I still well because I I I went the opposite direction of everyone else. I figured that this would increase the ownership of Alcantara to inefficient levels, so I I, I stacked I stacked a lot of the Phillies. Right for for leverage, and obviously that didn't work out because Alcantara put up the uh, the the highest pitching score, and the Phillies were off. But it's a four game slate. What else am I going to do? Right, the early slate was fine. The I did great on the early slate, stacking the Giants against Molly, scored nineteen runs. Okay, that worked out. Right, the highest owned pitcher stack it. I think Herman on the early slate was the highest owned. But on these four game slates, you have to what stance? You either play the Pirates against Smiley, you play the Phillies against Alcantara, or you try to get like weird by some using some ninth, eighth, and ninth hitters in some of your stacks or whatever. Those those are the clearest paths to first place. And I I I chose the Phillies, who put up like two hits total, right? Two, two one did that didn't even have a second hit. Brad Miller got thrown out of the game. Who knows? Hoskins came out early. That was a disaster. Let's go through the YouTube chat some more. Uh, Nate Branshaw, do you think we are going to get to a point this year where Toronto Park will become similar to Coors and fading it on most slates will be plus EV? I don't. I, I, I don't think they're playing. They're not playing there. Like they have another week and a half there. I don't think they're playing there anymore. But June first, I think they go to Buffalo, right? Is that true? I don't know. That, that that's what I thought. 
But yeah, so anytime, anytime you have like a ballpark like that or cores or Rid- Wrigley win game, a lot of times it tends to go over owned. Right. Okay. Yeah. People in chat are pointing that out. It's Buffalo is also a hitter friendly park. It's just going to be, it's not going to be as hot. I mean, Buffalo is one of those, you know, like they're not in the PCL, but I consider them those style of parks. The walls are in, they're high walls, but they're in more. It's a minor, it's a minor, it's a, you know, minor league hitters park. Michael Dampier says, I wonder what the field was on Velasquez at 6.44 PM, probably 60%, maybe higher. So even though he was owned at 18%, the 40% probably were smart enough to pivot to Miami too. Yeah, that could make sense. Because I mean, I mean, take a look at this Matt's ownership. Like people didn't want to play Matt's. Matt's was probably before the news, before the VV news. Matt's was what, 12% maybe? Maybe something, Pavetta was 17% though. No one wants to play him. So that ownership was probably cut in half. Drew Smiley was probably cut in half. All he was probably going to be like maybe 35% owned. So yeah, so maybe VV would have had against the Marlins. Yeah, and people would have played. Yeah, maybe, maybe at me, I don't think it was 50 or 60% owned, but maybe he would have been 40% owned, right? So the 20%, the 21, 22% of people that got Velasquez out of their lineups were smarter enough to now play more Marlins, which obviously inflated all of the Marlins ownership. Yeah, no, I, mathematically, I guess that does make sense. Right, if Velasquez was going to be that owned. I think so. The, the pitching on the slate was awful. No one's playing Merrill Kelly. Merrill, Merrill Kelly actually didn't do that bad, right? Merrill Kelly put up 30 points. with 6% owned. Right, if you had Alcantara and, and Kelly... Got the right bats from the from the Toronto Boston game and the Miami home runs or whatever. You you won. There you go. You did it. Did that is that what happened? What was the number one? Okay, a single bullet won first, and that was a it was a five three Boston Miami, which makes sense. You got Gary Cooper, Rojas, and Anderson in there. Okay, you got home run from Martinez, home run from Dalbeck. Chavis put up 12, Vasquez, and uh, Hunter Renfro didn't have to do anything, but he had Alcantara and Kelly. There you go. Need lunch money, had vomit, right? 48-2. I mean, look how much salary remaining. 200 there, here's 1,800. Alcantara, Kelly, and a 5-3 Miami-Pittsburgh. Because Stallings had a home run. Reynolds has a home run. Frazier had, had a good game. You got the Miami guys in there. Aguirre with a zero. Kelly's 6% owned, so that, that helps you out over here. There's another need lunch money. Right, Sam, Boston, Miami with a Stallings one-off. Alcantara, Kelly. Alcantara, Kelly. Al- he was all over the place with Alcantara, Alcantara, Kelly. But he was playing all Miami. Like, I didn't even bring him up on the ownership over here. Like, if you see his lineup, like, I let's see. I was going to need... Need lunch money? You go to his lineups or her lineups. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know these people. Whoever. Like, look, one hundred percent. One, two, three, four, five, six. Alcantara, Anderson, Rojas, Aguirre, Cooper, Dickerson. So he just played all, literally one hundred and fifty five man Miami stacks. 
just said, screw it. That's that's where the edge is. I'm just going to lock those guys in and Alcantara. And just whatever fits around them, that's what fits around them, right? Had no Freddie Freeman, no Braves, right? Barely any Acuna, right? Very condensed. Is this what you should be doing? No. <laughs> it's not the same thing to do, no. If you're right, you're yeah, if you're right, then this is what happens when you're right. You come in third, fifth, sixth, tenth, eleventh, twenty-third, twenty-third, twenty-fifth, twenty-ninth. Right? Third, you're all over the top. But I mean, if the Marlins put up two runs yesterday, you would have seen need lunch money all over the place, but it would have been at the bottom. All, um, pretty much all the lines, all the lines. High variance doesn't mean it's correct or incorrect. It just means you just I'm building 150 lineups on the Marlins, and they do well, I do well. If they don't do well, all my money, boop, in the garbage, right? But overall, the sentiment I, I agree with. Once Velasquez was scratched, you should have you should have been more on the Marlins. That's what most of the sharp players did. Now, a lot of them, a lot of them did, which made the ownership go up. But if you were thinking in those terms, then then you were thinking smartly. Oh, let's see. Edward Brown, on your most recent podcast, you talked about getting uncomfortable a pitcher to gain leverage in GPPs. There are four obvious aces tonight. Fade all four. Are there four aces tonight? Are there really? I think that I think there may only be that there may only be two pitchers worth playing over over 10k today. Bauer and Ian Anderson. I don't know how you play Nola at 11-6, but I mean I guess you can. Glasnow at at Dunedin, Dunedin. People will go there. I don't think he's worth 11-2 there. You can play 10k for Alec Wood against uh Alex Wood against the Dodgers? Probably not. It's like, what, what are the aces? Rodon, 9,900 against the Yankees in Yankee Stadium? Probably not. Martin Perez is 9,400 for some odd reason. That's a joke. So it's like, what aces? What do you mean aces? Bauer. That's that's all I see. Bauer. And then Ian Anderson. And do you really want to pay 10-5 for Ian Anderson? Okay, but that isn't as bad. Based on based on the bad projections out of ten in the morning, it's like people like you're gonna fade all yeah. Well, you, I'm gonna fade a bad value pitcher. Yeah, if Glasnow, Glasnow's the type of pitcher if he's low owned, I want to play him now. But now that they're pricing up pitchers like this, now 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 vomit stacks start start coming into play. Vomit stacks that aren't going to be owned like that. That's that's the key. Not not when we play vomit. I would that one. The Mariners are chalked because everyone's doing it, right? But we have we have Paddock against Seattle. Paddock's really cheap on FanDuel. Has he been pitching well? Probably not really, but right. You got Hendricks. Got mine. We got a lot of pitchers. A lot of pitchers that are in the mid range that don't project all that much differently than the high end pitchers today. The high end. I mean, from a raw points perspective, Nola Nola comes in fine, second highest raw points according to the bat. You're paying eleven six for that. I guess you could do it. Have to see what happens when ownership comes in. But yeah, there there, the the options on this slate for pitching, 
Like you could get you could get very different today at pitching and do just fine. There's 15 games on the slate. I mean, dude, you could you play anyone you want, right? You got stacks and stuff. Let's 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 take a look at the what stacks currently based on the current projections the bat projects. Stack projections. Let's just go purely by ceiling. Obviously, cores, right? Rockies, Diamondbacks. That's going to be number one, right? Then from a point-per-dollar perspective, the Brewers against Jeff Hoffman in Cincinnati. The Pirates against Ian Anderson, but they're really cheap. You can see the ceiling here is just like garbage. But the Brewers, the Brewers are not bad. What does the Brewers lineup look like today? Because Yelich is, Yelich is cheap. Is he broken? He just came back from the DL. I don't know, but he's 4,600 on DraftKings. I think that's why. If we go to the Brewers, I mean, you got Lorenzo Cain at 3,300. Narvaez at 3,700. Avi Garcia, Vogelback, Travis. This isn't that bad of a lineup. They have a 4.61 implied run total. And they're this, and they're pretty cheap. And Jeff Hoffman is, is not a good pitcher. So maybe the Brewers, maybe the Brewers is a vomit stack. Is that a you don't play Colton Wong, you play Kane, Yelich, Narvaez, Vogelbach, Shaw, so you don't take up all outfield spots or something. You could do it. That could be the vomit stack of the day. But is it worth even playing two 10K pitchers? You play what? Bauer Anderson? I guess I guess so. You could. What else do we got here? The Mets against Holloway? Point for dollar value, not a, the highest of ceilings. The Mets, the Mets are not good. Yeah, without Alonzo in the lineup, I mean, it just makes them cheap. Three and a half implied run total, but they're just cheap, right? Other than Lindor and Smith, I mean, it's like Vargas Lee is in the lineup. Peraza's batting six. That's how bad their lineup is. They just signed Cameron Bay Maven, and he's batting third. So I don't know. I don't know about the Mets. They're cheap. That's, that's that's the best thing you could say about him. But Tampa Bay against Anthony K. Let's see. What's Tampa Bay's lineup look like to get that projection? Tampa Bay is playing in Dunedin. Margot, yeah, if Margot's in, that's going to be nice at thirty four hundred. Yandy Diaz, Adamas is twenty nine hundred. Even Kiermaier at the bottom of the lineup. Yeah, you can you can make it a raise stack. Am I scared of Anthony K? No. The Ray, the Rays are in play today. I mean, I, th- I think they'll be owned. I mean, I think everything that I'm mentioning they're going to be owned. Cores. That is the highest total. Look, six for the Rockies, nearly five for the Diamondbacks. And they forgot to price up some of these people. Havin Smith is under four K. Josh Rojas is under four K. David Peralta's 4,100. You always have Dalton Varsho if he makes the lineup. He's 3K. Leva's 2,800. And even on the Rockies side, like Story's only 5,200. Typically in this spot against what? Seth Frankoff? He would be 50. He would be almost 6,000. Crone is 3,800. Fuentes is 3,200. I mean, Coors is going to be popular today. But rightfully so. I mean, look at these prices. This is all you have to do. Just go. Through, I'm going through the stack projections and looking. Like what? What? It's not that complicated. 
point for dollars, ceiling, ceiling, point for dollars. You just look and you go, okay. Diamondbacks have a high ceiling, but a little bit lower point per dollar value. So we don't care. That's for the median. I don't care about the medians. You look at the bottom and go, okay, Boston Red Sox against Nola. Awful. Astros against Kyle Gibson. Not good. Braves against Tyler Anderson. Tyler Anderson. I mean, 89, I guess. I guess they have a ceiling. You can sort by ceiling. I guess they're up there somewhere. You look at, you just look around. Based on the current projections, obviously, that, that that's going to be updated. <clears throat> Let's see. Go through the YouTube chat. Feel free to post your questions. Right. Casual Friday. Let's have let's have some casual questions. It doesn't even have to be about DFS. We just do casual stuff. The show only goes as long as you ask questions. Because what else, what what else am I going to look at? It's it's eleven thirty in the morning. We have fifteen game slate, and none of the batting orders are out. Or Rob Rodriguez says we have some ownership now. If I if I update, we do. Do we trust that this early? I don't. Do we? Do we? I don't see. Okay, now we see it. Let's take a look at pitching. Bauer. Is Strasburg broken? Are people going to play him? He hasn't pitched. Yeah, he hasn't pitched in, what, five weeks? Should we be playing him? Glasnow is going to be owned. I'd I'd love to see 20% Glasnow because I'll have, possibly I'll, I'll X him out. That's why I don't know. I don't think he's going to be twenty percent owned. That's why the ownership projections are this early. I I don't I don't go by. Mike Miner against the Tigers. Okay, that isn't that bad. Yeah, but I don't mind like Kyle Gibson. Like I, I'll take a shot on him at four four percent maybe, something like that. But I'm playing on Fanduel today, so you only have to play one pitcher. Let's see what's going on on Fanduel. We have Bauer. I think Bauer's going to be way more owned than 20% on FanDuel. Like, no, Nola is 9K. Okay, that's a little bit more palatable. Glasnow, I, I can't see Glasnow being being disowned. Stra- Same for Strasburg on FanDuel. Are people going to pay 10K for Strasburg? Is that going to happen? I think Paddock will be more owned at 6,300. I'd love to see him. If he's 9% on FanDuel, I'll, play, I'll, I'll be six times that. Pitching isn't as as an isn't as exciting on FanDuel because you only have to play one, so you don't get into this situation where you like since people have to play two, you get more ownership on some of the other guys. The only reason I'm playing on FanDuel is because they they have cheaper contests for multi entry. I typically only play on one site multi entry. I'm going to play a hundred lineups. It's going to be on one of the two. I did it on Monday. I right. I played on both at the same time. Ah, oh, that's a pain in the ass. I got it done. I just don't. It's just, just a lot of moving parks at the same time because you're trying to juggle. Who do I have here? Who versus who do I have here? I'm stacking this there, but not that there. You're like you, you just have to go back and forth. Let's see. Do, 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 do. I don't think people are feeling Bowers' price. People are talking about fearing Bowers' price. I think he's clearly the best pitcher on the slate. It's not like it's not like Trevor Bauer, like on DraftKings. It's not like Trevor Bauer's 11.9 and then everyone else is 9K. And do you fear that price? I fear Nola's price. I fear Glasnow's price. I fear, like, what's the, what's the alternative? 
if I'm going to spend money, why don't I just spend 11-9 on Bauer and not 11-2 on Glasnow or Nola or Anderson or Wood? And you could do it. We do have 3K hitters on the slate. We do have some underpriced bats and cores. So you could do it. You could play. Like, if we, if we go into lineup preview, let's say you do play Bauer, the two highest-priced pitchers. Let's just say you do that. You still get cores bats. Look, Adamas in Toronto, Kane, Garcia, Rosario. I mean, this isn't that bad of a lineup. You're not spending up for an Acuna or anything, but there you go. Let's say you just play Bauer. Let's run. You get Paddock in there at 8,600. And that allows you to get Story, basically. Story and Kepler and Castro. Doesn't really change that much other than Story. You go from Adamas to Story. Still paying down at the outfield. Take out Bauer. Bauer's going to be in there anyway for raw points, right? There you go. But it's like the difference between Bauer, Paddock, and Bauer, Ian Anderson is basically, oh, here's Story, but you have to play Blandino. Okay. So basically it just comes down to Story. If, you did, if you're not playing Story, you could, you could get away with playing two 10K level pitchers. And if you're paying down... Let's say you were to pay down. Let's go by point per dollar value. You play the you pay Mike Miner, you pay Miner and Paddock. So you're playing eighty six hundred and seventy five hundred. Now what do you get for that? Basically, you get Yelich, Blackman, Story. That's it. Everyone else is kind of McMahon. You're just getting basically three, two, three cores bats and uh, Yelich at forty eight hundred. Obviously, it'll change who you could stack, right? Because you wouldn't be just playing like one-offs and stuff in GPP. But the differences between the lineups aren't that aren't that dramatic, really. Other than maybe story at shortstop, the opportunity cost there. Do you need to play Blackman at forty-eight hundred? I don't think that's a must. So we just ran the straight optimal just as of right now. Paddock Bauer, right? You just yeah, you're still getting story Kepler. I mean, th- this is not that bad of a lineup. If you change Paddock for a 10K pitcher, all you're doing is really just giving rid of Story, going from Story to Adamas. Okay. Just hope Story doesn't hit a home run or something. Or two stolen bases or whatever. I think people are going to get attracted to cores. The, the, the Rays in, in Toronto. Right? I'm not sure about the I'm not sure about the Brewers. Maybe the Nats against Jorge Lopez, maybe? Maybe? Could that be a thing? I don't know. Anyone else that, that people like to attack? The Mets are cheap. I don't know if anyone goes there. I don't think anyone will play the Pirates against Ian Anderson, even though they're cheap. What does the Pirates starting lineup look like? Same from yesterday with Stallings and the no. Ian Anderson, get Polanco at 2,700. Newman at 2,700. Will Craig, yeah, you just get a lot of sub-3K guys. You get leverage, I guess, if Ian Anderson's going to be owned. But I don't think he's going to be that owned. I don't think any pitcher on, I don't think any pitcher on this slate is going to be that owned where on a 15-game slate, you'd be like, well, I, I got to stack against that guy. Like, they'll, they'll, be, they'll be 3% don't stacks everywhere. So I said, like, if anything, like, but, but uh, Bauer is going to be owned. I'm going to play the Giants against Bauer. It's like, well, the Giants are going to be 1% owned. 
Yeah, but the, I could pick out half the teams they're going to be one percent owned. Why not play the Rangers against Tyler Ivy? Like, look at their ownership, two percent. Okay, what's the difference? Play the White Sox. Look at their guys. They're they're, they're a little overpriced. Some of their guys. Yankee Stadium. What's wrong with that? Play the Phillies against Martin Perez. Three, four percent on. Like you don't have to. Oh, it's a fifteen-game slate. I'm going to stack against Bauer. Like just why? For leverage, not because you're actually like, oh no, I think he's going to get blown up or something. Like no, just you're doing it for leverage. They they've one of the lowest team totals, three point three five. On a fifteen-game slate, you could find you could you. There are tons of ways to play low-owned players that aren't up against a chalky pitcher. And is Bauer going to be that chalky? If Bauer is going to be 60% on this slate, then, okay, maybe, maybe you do the giant stack. But at 32 or something, like if it was a smaller slate, if it was a six-game slate, okay. Four-game slate, sure, okay. 15 games, I've got plenty other ways to go. Remember, when you're stacking five guys on DraftKings, they need to, they pretty much need to be the highest scoring team on the slate. So out of the out of 30 teams on the slate, the Giants against Bauer puts up 12 runs. Like that, you need that. Not that Bauer gives up five runs, has a bad outing, but the Giants still only put up five runs. Like the stack doesn't get there. Yes, it kills all the Bauer lineups, but your Giants lineup ain't winning the GPP because some other team. So, you know, the Twins come out and score 14 runs. I mean, like, any of these teams can. Go through the YouTube chat. Frederick Dude asks, uh, I heard it mentioned before, but can you discuss the reason behind not playing all outfielders from the same lineup? Uh, doesn't mean you can't do it. I do, I mean, I do play lineups like that. Depends. It's, uh, if you're playing, if you're playing like a 5X, like you're specifically, now if you're playing 5-3 where you're locking in all your players or something, if you're playing a 4-4, like I don't, I don't, then sure, then whatever fits. But when you're playing a lineup, when you're playing lineups, constructions that include one-offs, outfield is obviously the highest opportunity cost for ceiling to win first place because there's so many more outfielders. So if you're going to build, let's say you were to build, like, let's say, let's take the Red, the Red Sox. Yeah, perfect. Because now Enrique Hernandez is, is on, on what? Is this DraftKings is only outfield eligible. He's not second base eligible anymore. So the Red Sox, let's say you stack the Red Sox and you play Hernandez, Verdugo, and Martinez. That's all three outfield spots. Now at FanDuel, you have a utility position. So that's why FanDuel is, I don't care necessarily about playing all three outfielders. So once you lock this in, let's say you play one to five. All three outfielders are shortstop and third base. Now, if any, if a one-off, and you're playing five X, which means that your first baseman is going to be a one-off, your catcher is going to be a one-off, and your second baseman is going to be a one-off. Okay? Well, there aren't as many players in those positions. There are more players available at outfield. So on a 15-game slate, that's 30 teams, average of three outfielders per team, there's 90 outfielders. If there's a one-off three-don game by someone that is at least more than like 5% owned or something, Three percent owned. It's impossible to have them in this lineup because you've you're you're now playing all three outfielders from the same team. 
Obviously, if it's one of those hitters, sure. But let's say, let's say uh, Randy Rosarina has has three home runs against Anthony Kay in this game. And you have you have you have five K one off, but he's at second base because you can't play a Rosarina in a lineup that has all three outfielders locked up from another team. And there are a lot more outfielders. Let's say Max Kepler goes off or something. Let's say, let's say Marcelo Zuna has double dong against Tyler Anderson. Let's say, uh, let's say uh, Jorge Soler hits a bunch off of the Urena. I mean, there's so many more power hitting outfielders that if I'm going to go in and I'm going to go like, oh, if I, I'd, I'd rather have my, I'd rather have a one-off in the outfield than a one-off at second base. There's less, there's, there's, there's less second baseman that could kill me. So in that Boston Red Sox stack, maybe instead of playing one of these outfielders, you play Marwin Gonzalez at second base to fill that spot or Vasquez at catcher at a weaker position where there's less, less players that are likely to put up a score that you'll need to win a GPP. There's less second baseman. And especially, there's less good second baseman. <clears throat> right? Am I worried? Am I worried about, uh, uh, I mean, at second base? Am I worried about Stevie Wilkerson putting up three home runs? No. Am I worried about, uh, am I worried about even Cesar Hernandez? Am I worried about him? Am I worried about Jose Peraza? Am I worried about these guys? Right? Who? Adam Frazier, he's, he's going to put up 40 points? Probably not. Solak, maybe? I mean, they're just at less less good players at those positions and more power-hitting good players at outfield. Doesn't mean you never, doesn't mean never do it. Never, never put three outfielders from a team in a five-man stack on DraftKings. No, that doesn't mean anything. But think in, think in those types of terms. If my if I'm going to build, if I'm going to play 150 liners and build 20 Red Sox stacks, and they're all going to have three outfielders in it, well, I better hope to God that, that no other outfielder puts up a 40 point game or something. Maybe I have all three of these outfielders in some of them, but I'm going to make it a point not to have it in all of them. And sometimes I'll just make sure to have it in none of them because it's easier that way. Just don't have to worry about it. That's the reasoning behind it. It's the opportunity cost of a one-off in the outfield on DraftKings because you don't get the utility. You don't get the utility. On FanDuel, you could do it because you, you have a utility slot. You could put another outfielder there. You could play four outfielders. Let's see. Anything else before we get out of here? Nate Branchaw asks, do you think today's slate provides a larger edge to smart players on DK? Because most of the year we have seen the ability to jam stud starting pitchers with almost any batch you want. But I think you could do that today anyway. I still think you could do it today. It just means some of the more expensive guys are going to be lower on than, than usual. But there's a lot to choose from. It's also a big slate. All right, if we take a look at salary-wise, like Acuna, Soto, 7%, 9%. I mean, look at the high price range on the batters. Pretty low, right? Like nothing in the double digits. Until we get down to what, Escobar? 
I mean, this is obviously just early ownership. This doesn't mean anything. Obviously, the core is bats, but most of these expensive hitters are going to be going under-owned. But, I mean, doesn't mean you jam in all the Acuna. You know, you, I'm going to play them in half my lineups. No. It just means right now lineups that include one or two expensive hitters are are going to be are going to be less owned. So to me, it's not necessarily. To me, I think it still comes down to the same thing. Of I don't think the edge is in the pitching today. Is oh, I'm going to jam in two stud pitchers and play vomit stacks. I think it's the opposite. I think it's playing cheap pitchers and jamming in stacks that are in cores that that people aren't going to play. I hope the stack goes off. I know Bauer doesn't put up a ceiling. If he puts up 25 points, I'm not dead. That's fine. Uh, just as long as he doesn't put up 40. And he just get enough points out of pitchers in the low range. To me, I still, but I mean, that's what I've been doing for most of the, most of the year anyway. Because people have been paying up for pitcher twice and then jamming in cheap players. But you could still do that. I mean, look, all I have to do is press this and look, you get cores. Right, you get Story, Kepler. You still get Milwaukee in Cincinnati against Jeff Hoffman. You get Vote and Coors, Crone and Coors, like cheap Labor if you want to play Castro, Story. I mean, and this is Paddock and, and Paddock Bauer. And even if people do like Bauer Glass now, for instance, I mean, it doesn't change that much. You still get Story. You still, you punt a catcher. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't look all that different. I think these are going to be the types of lineups that are going to be more played today, because the Colorado and the, the Coors bats are not are not priced priced up enough. And then you could still find three K bats in other games. But to me, that's not a product of the pitcher pricing; it's a product of the hitter pricing. The salary floor in the hitting was thirty five hundred. And Abby Garcia was forty two hundred instead of thirty to thirty three hundred. You know those types. The Milwaukee guys, Yelich was fifty five hundred, that he should be. Like yeah, then then you're not going to be able. To, then 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 we'd be starting to talk about, like now now we start talking about vomit stacks. But still, there's still still too many hitters that are under three k. You just start start by point per volley value here. I mean, you could play Khalil Lee if you wanted at 2K. Darren Ruff, probably not against Bauer. Pujols against Wood at 2K. Miggy against Miner at 2,600. I mean, they're not the sexiest of plays. Brian O'Grady against Flexen, 2K. Will Craig, 2K. Upton, 3,000. Kane, 3,300. Vaughn, 2,200 against Jordan Montgomery in Yankee Stadium. Eddie Rosario, 3,300. Willie Adamas in the Little League ballpark in, in, in Dunedin, 2,900. Greg Polanco batting cleanup in Atlanta. Lefty, 20, 2,700. I mean, that's this is this is what I mean. You could find hitters to throw in. If you play two of these guys, you could play anyone you want practically. So I don't think the dynamics is going to change that much on this slate. I don't think I don't think people are going to play down a pitcher, but doesn't mean they're going to pay up twice. Maybe not. But I can see Bauer, Strasburg, Bauer, Paddock, 
Bauer, Minering. I could I could see those types of lineups. Hendricks, maybe. An up and down type of lineup. I could see that. And he could still he could still get good bets. But do I see Bauer Glasnow type of lineups? No, I don't. Or Nola. Are people gonna do that? I don't know. I don't think I am. I think people will be more willing to do that though. But I think I think most of it is gonna be paying 10K plus for one pitcher and pay somewhere between seven and nine or whatever for the second pitcher on DraftKings. I think that that will be the build as of now, as of now. Michael Dampier, strategy. When you look at Boston's Martin Perez, based on his price, no one should own him. Just like Kelly last night. Is it thinking too much to play him because no one will will in a huge MME contest? There's, there's, There's 30 teams. Do you have to do that to get different? You can get different in so many other ways. Merrill Kelly yesterday is a different story. There's only four games, and he's 6% owned as a pitcher. There are really only seven pitchers to choose from. Not six pitchers to choose from. Probably not playing David Hale either. So 6% owned when there's only six pitchers to choose from. That's a way to get different. When there's 15, when there's 30 pitchers to choose from? Right, you take a look at, let, let, let's take a look at Martin Perez. Where's Martin? Let, let's, uh, let's do it by salary, just so we can. Martin Perez. <clears throat> oh, no one's going to have him, right? Because he's a quarter percent owned, right? Projecting. He'll be less than 1% owned. Well, how about Tyler Anderson? Then? Why don't you play him? He said he's cheaper and going to be 1% owned, right? Why not play Chris Flexen against San Diego? He's 2%. He's Jose Arena, Jose Quintana, Tristan McKenzie, Jordan Montgomery at 4%. Why don't you play Alex, Alex Wood at 10K against the Dodgers? No one's going to play him. Four percent owned. Like I can make that case with, with so many other pitchers. If I want to play a one percent owned pitcher, why don't I play Herman Marquez? Why I mean, why don't, why don't they just play a cheaper pitcher then? If it was a four game slate, I'd be with you. One percent owned pitcher on a four game slate, sure, I'm jamming that in. But look, you have so many other pitchers to choose from. Play Kirk Kyle Gibson at four percent. Carlos Martinez against the Cubs. That could work out. Then pay. Ninety four hundred for Martin Perez. His projection is lower than a lot of the guys that are three k, two to three k, cheaper than him. That are also going to be that low owned or low enough owned. That oh well, no, Martin Perez is going to be one percent owned versus Jose Arena going to be two percent owned. So I go oh oh, one versus two percent. Oh, the big scheme of things. It doesn't matter. So no. Can he have a good game? Sure, yes. It's a, he's playing Philadelphia, right? And they've been horrible. So yes, I guess. But based on projections, it makes no sense to do so. When there's so many others, you can find all the leverage you want without overpaying for Martin Perez. So don't think in terms of, oh, no one's going to play him, I'm going to play. Like, what is that? What, what are your other choices? What's the opportunity cost? What, what does your lineup look like? Like not you don't you don't play DFS with individual players. You play with lineups. Can I build a lineup that is different enough and higher projected that doesn't have Martin Perez? Yes, I can build thousands of them. So why aren't I make why aren't I building those and instead of playing Martin Perez? That's the logic behind it. If there was no other way for me to get different and I needed to play overpriced Martin Perez, okay, then now we're talking. 
Is there other ways to get different? Yeah, of course. It's the hundreds of thousands of ways. Christopher Ray, new to MLB DFS. Is stacking necessary for cash? No. Cash, you're just playing the best median lineup you can. Uh, let's see. Okay. I think we're good. I think we're good for casual Friday. Thumbs up. Give me some thummy thumbs on your way out the door for keeping the apple juice cold. Got a big 15-game slate coming up. Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. And uh, and then I'll be back. I'll be back next week. Right? We got MMA. MMA coming up. MMA coming up on uh, tomorrow. So I'll be playing that early. It's an earlier slate, what, 4 p.m. or something. And uh, and as always, all the, st- all the stuff to, about uh, strategy and game theory and everything are covered in my course. Right? 15-hour audio DFS masterclass. The Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports. You see all the chapters, game objectives, player selection, expected value, leverage, correlation, construction, risk management, exploits, psychology. I mean, it's, it's, it's most of the stuff I talk about on this show. It's just in one 15-hour structure. It's like going to a seminar. And I teach you all the game theory that applies to any sport. doesn't matter what you play, right? That, that's why the good players are good at pretty much every sport, right? They don't need to know the sport. They just need to know how to play the game of DFS. So pick that up. The theory of daily fantasy sports, how to think like a professional DFS player. Theoryofdfs.com. And you'll, you'll finally figure out why, like most of the questions that people ask, I find stupid. <laughs> you'll, once you get it, you'll be like, you're right. All those questions are kind of stupid. Yeah, they're, they're pretty stupid. Do I play this guy or this guy? Like, well, that's not, that, that's, we have projections for that. I don't know why you need, why, why you're even asking that question. I don't know. Just look at the projections. So pick that up. Theoryofdfs.com. Angelo Strafe says, I bought your course. Anyone who plays DFS needs to listen. It's worth every penny. Actually underpriced. Yeah. Okay. So get it, get it before I bump up the price. Maybe I'll triple the price. Angelo, maybe, maybe he convinced me. I'm charging too little. Bump that, bump that crap up, right? We got MLB Grinders Live coming on later today. Crunch time for premium members on Roto Grinders. Sign up for Roto Grinders Premium Combo or a single sport or whatever. Click on the link in the description. Get $10 off your first month. And I'll see you, I'll see you back next week. Because I'm here. I'm here, as usual, Mondays through Fridays, 11 o'clock Eastern, for the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com.